The following podcast may contain content that is not suitable for all ages or sensitive ears. Please be responsible. Thank you, and donkey. As an additional disclaimer, please take note that the following podcast is exceptionally intense and somewhat disturbing. Hello, Save Them family. Landon here, and uh, welcome to this episode of the Save Them podcast. Excited to have you here with us. And uh, this week we we launch into a multi-part series uh, that we are going to title The Problem of Pedophilia. And pedophilia is an age-old issue, um, but it has taken a strange turn in the world that we live in. And it has gone from the world of criminal activity and the abuse of children to a world of trying to create acceptance for mental illness in general society and then decriminalizing uh, the uh, sexual abuse of children effectively and um, trying to excuse away the actions of adults as though they have no control over their sinful nature. And so uh, the problem of pedophilia is one that is running rampant throughout the globe, especially the Western world, especially as we... um, tend to pursue all kinds of weird uh, redefinitions of, of what our society looks like and the parameters by which we operate. So as the, the Western world specifically abandons biblical principles and, a, and biblical framework for legislation, legal frameworks, and just moral code, uh, there's a lot of weird stuff going on, which resembles a lot more the character of Satan, unfortunately, than it does resemble the character of God. And pedophilia and the acceptance thereof is one of those. And a lot of folks who aren't paying attention, and I don't encourage you to spend all your time paying attention to this, but um, for those who aren't paying attention, uh, what you need to know is that this is coming like a tidal wave. And little by little, inch by inch, things have been happening around the world, like lowering the age of consent. Okay. In fact, in South Africa, the age of consent now has been pushed down all the way to the age of 14. Now think about that. A 14-year-old having sexual intercourse with a 40-year-old and calling it consensual. Um, I don't know if any of you are parents out there, um, but if you've ever had a 14-year-old, that is not an age of informed consent. I don't really care what they're doing. They're not old enough or functional enough to make adult level decisions in their lives. And what ends up happening is they end up being uh, manipulated, lured, convinced that this is the path for them. And because they don't have a framework or a set of experiences that says otherwise, then they kind of just go with it and wake up a decade later realizing that their life took a horrible, horrible turn very early on and and way before they should have been thinking about anything like sexual intercourse. They should have been thinking about schoolwork and having fun with their friends and going to church and doing, you know, all these great things that kids get to do, playing sports. They shouldn't be thinking about whether or not they're going to have sex with someone much their elder. I mean, that, what, what, what kind of world do we live in where we're saying that we're going to remove the safeguards for children and uh, let them fend for themselves? 
And the, the thing that's really tragic and Satan really, really jumps onto this is that we see that statistic after statistic comes out that we are living in an age of fatherlessness. Uh, we are living in an age of single motherhood uh, where the majority of families in certain demographics uh, and in certain cities and certain parts of the world, you have no father in the household, no, no protector all right, as the Lord intended, uh, it, it, the man's not there. And uh, that's a whole different conversation. But the point being, the children are left to fend for themselves. And that is not the fault of the mother. In fact, the, the mothers in this world who are running single parent homes, I have the utmost respect for them. They are fighting a fight that they were not intended to have to fight on their own. And um, one of my bugbears always kind of say, you know, We've got all these single mothers out there and we've got all these single men living in their mother's basements. And you know, if those single men who are playing video games in their mom's basement would man up, get out of the house and go marry one of these wonderful ladies in their church who had been destroyed, you know, some lady who had been destroyed by some irresponsible man and actually come alongside and be the adoptive father of these children and provide leadership and, and uh, protection that we would have a totally different situation in this world. Um, and instead of the church doing things like that, uh, we, we end up finding more situations where people are leaving home so late. And, we, and at the same time, um, the single parenting rate has gone through the roof and the lack of accountability is not there. So, you know, all of these things we know are just kind of issues that come and go or whatever. But when you start putting legislation in place, which says that uh, the uh, issue of pedophilia and the ability for consensual intercourse of minors is a human right, that it is the human right of a 14-year-old to have sex with whomever they wish, um, that is not... <laughs> A protective society who's looking out for the children. Uh, that's a society that's willing to sacrifice the children on the altar of Molech. And um, I know that's kind of hard talk. And a lot of people don't like to hear hard talk. They just want to hear squishy, mushroomy. That's not marshmallowy, mushroomy, uh, marshmallowy talk all the time. But th that's the reality of this. And we're going to get into a case today. Uh, which is brewing in South Africa. And I'm going to read you an article that was published in a mainline South African newspaper about this case. And I want you to hear the level of depravity that is going on and how there is so little discussion about protecting these minors and how society in this situation, the authorities have turned a blind eye to the crimes of pedophilia and continuously let a criminal walk because we don't see the crime of pedophilia as being as severe enough, right? And this guy ends up being a repeat offender over and over until he's systematically abusing and hurting children and recruiting them in, recruiting them in to be hurt. Okay, so when you when you talk about um, what are a bunch of the core roots and principles of things that plug into human trafficking, 
and uh, which, you know, the coercion, the manipulation, the entrapment, the abuse of children and other victims. At the core of this are sin issues. And uh, we've, we've talked a bit about drugs, we've talked about different things. And what we're going to talk about over the next couple of weeks is this issue of pedophilia. Adults targeting children. If there's somewhere in your mind where you're saying, oh, that's not a problem, then I will argue that you don't live in the same reality <laughs> as the rest of us. And I, I would just encourage you to, to spend a little bit of time pursuing some of the information that we'll mention in these podcasts um, and just do your due diligence to really open your eyes, not based on your preconceived notions, but based on what's actually going on in the world and being able to say, wow, this actually is happening all around me. And who's protecting the children? Because we're entering a season of legislative override. They are about to override legislation across Europe and the United States that is removing, and South Africa already actually, removing the guardrails that protect children. And that's not okay. And the church is not allowed to stand by and play witness to this. And so, um, you know, my, my condescending tone uh, that's coming through in today's podcast is actually one of anger and frustration. You know, when, when there are so many children out there being hurt and abused, and so many people trying to make sure that that doesn't happen, and then we have do-nothing legislators who are trying to play political games all over the world and who have their own agendas. And then they get into seats of power and start passing legislation to hurt children. Well, let's, let's just let's take a second here and let's remind ourselves what Jesus Christ had to say about that. In Matthew 18, verse 6, it goes like this. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and to be drowned in the depth of the sea. And then that's mirrored in Luke 17.2. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were cast into the sea than he should cause one of these little ones to sin. Now, obviously, you know, you, you can't take scripture out of context. Okay, so let's, let's just start with the beginning of that, which is 17.1. And he said, Jesus said to his disciples, temptations to sin are sure to come. But woe to the one through whom they come. Here's the deal. Children don't just walk into abuse. They are targeted, they're lured, they're groomed. Don't tell me the word groomer isn't, you know, appropriate. No, it absolutely is. It absolutely is appropriate. And, um, and I've, I've met multiple people, all right, who have been in venues of sin, uh, whether it's um, grooming uh, recruits to be pulled into the human trafficking arena, whether it's been targeting uh, children to be groomed into 
um, uh, sodomy lifestyles. I've heard these stories over and over again. The children are targeted because the children are vulnerable and they are shaped and pulled into these things. Christ says that it would be better for him through whom this sinful temptation to sin comes, better for him, that's the groomer, that's the recruiter, if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were cast into the sea, then he should cause one of these little ones to sin. Now, you, 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 you look at that and you're like, ah, there's no big systemic problem here. Well, Christ isn't really concerned with a, you know, the fact that only pedophiles who have a ring of 300 to 400 kids under their belt are the ones who are taken down, you know, and like the false prophets that we've, we've had arrested who have had their harems of youth groups that have to sleep with the pastor. Well, here's the deal. Uh, yeah, those guys have hundreds of kids for sure. Their crime is equally as vile as the single individual who recruits one, who causes one to sin. It's not a degree of sin here. Oh, I'm just a, a kind of a pedophile, or I'm just kind of an abuser, but I'm not as bad as. That is not the way this works. And it's not the way that our legal system used to work which was geared more towards justice, but now it's just geared towards legalism. And uh, the justice part seems to be optional in many cases. So let's, let's keep that in mind, um, that Jesus says that it is ultimately as severe for only one to be taken. Now, um, I want to highlight a case that we worked in South Africa it's a case that's very near and dear to our hearts. And um, this was the case of a 13-year-old girl who was basically handed over by her father to a pedophile. Now, she wanted to go. She was a 13-year-old who was a bit rebellious. She didn't want to be in her house. She thought her parents were ridiculous. And there was this guy in his 20s, okay? I, want to, I think he was in his mid-20s at that point. Now keep it in mind, okay, just let's let's pick the number 25. That guy is 25 years old, and he's targeting a 13-year-old girl. And the dad allows the 13-year-old girl, who's a bit of trouble, hard to manage, to go with this 25-year-old and leave. That 13-year-old had three children by the time she was 20 was sold to the Nigerian crime syndicates to clear the drug debt that she had been introduced to and put on by her pedophile husband at this point, who forced her to marry him so that the children would be legitimate, even though they only got married after she had already had three kids out of wedlock. And then she had two more kids by Nigerians when she was in captivity. Ultimately, we were able to rescue her out after seven attempts, she had a couple relapses and um, eventually stabilized. And we were able to walk through trial with her and her perpetrators, her last perpetrators, the ones at the end who held her in captivity most recently. They have been sentenced and put in jail. 
My question is, what about the pedophile? What about the pedophile that destroyed her life when she was 13? You know, now she's whatever, th let's say 30. <laughs> um, the pedophiles get off scot-free. They get off scot-free. No accountability. We have a serious, serious problem globally. It's a huge problem in South Africa that the guys who actually commit the crimes of pedophilia never get prosecuted. They never get arrested. The crime syndicate guys who coordinate it get arrested. The uh, victims who end up becoming willful prostitutes or something or drug mules or whatever, they get arrested. But the pedophiles, the Johns, they get off scot-free. They never get charged for pedophilia. Th that behavior is excused for some reason. Well, that's not okay. It's not okay at all. And we are going to shout this from the, the rafters. We are going to um, really push hard in these coming years to make sure that this changes. It has to change. And we are fighting a very difficult battle right now because as you're going to see over the next couple of weeks as we go through different aspects of this problem, there is a groundswell at the legislative level by legislators who are out of their mind at the UN, in the EU parliament, and in parts of the um, United States legislatures, especially state legislatures and federal, specifically in the Democrat party. And you know, it's not a partisan thing, but there's some really weird stuff going on in the Democrat party. Weird. And they are, they are removing the protections for children and excusing the actions of adults. That's not okay. It should not ever be okay. In fact, Christ told us it's not okay. So we as the church are going to stand against it, whatever the consequence. Okay, so as that groundswell is happening, here we are trying to protect children and we're going out of our way to try to pull them out of these situations and prevent them from happening. But meanwhile, the societal, legislative, authoritative overlords of Satan here are just pressing down and saying, no, 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 actually, that thing that you're busy trying to stop, actually, um, pedophiles are just born that way. It's just who they are. It's not their fault. So we're not even going to be bothered by it anymore. We, we've had multiple cases where we've worked um, cases against cults. And there are certain cults, uh, re religious cults specifically, that um, create situations where as long as the perpetrator um, who abuses a child kind of stands before the elders or whatnot and says, oh, I'm sorry, uh, I'll never do it again. And then they all say, okay, your sins are forgiven, you're good. You know, in those situations, there's zero recompense for the actual victim, zero support, zero justice. The victim is expected to just keep her mouth shut and just go with it. Meanwhile, she's damaged for her life. Like she's, she never gets her innocence back. So how this is going to play out, I'm not sure, but this is like two Titanic tsunamis crashing right towards each other. And I'm not sure what happens next, but the game of chicken is on. And I'll tell you what, we're not budging.
We are not budging and we will not budge. In fact, we are going to go headstrong into this, even if it means that this whole thing collides. Because somebody has to stand in the gap for the children. Somebody has to do it. We can no longer excuse the actions of adults. We can't do it. Adults are accountable for their actions. Children are vulnerable. Children are not accountable for their actions. There's, uh, the, the fact that we're even talking about this is nonsensical. But it, it's, it's this mad world that we're living in. Ah, oh, I'm sorry. I, this, I'm, I'm just so frustrated with this right now. And um, I, hope, I hope you're not feeling too overly anxious about it. I hope that you're encouraged that there's somebody out there doing something about these things. But let me encourage you to stand strong and stand for truth in your environment. Don't take anybody's nonsense. Don't take anybody's pretend messaging that says, oh, yeah, no, um, we've changed the psychology manuals and uh, we've removed all the mental illnesses. And we've just said, you know, it's that's just a matter of perspective. Uh, or like. Uh, you were just made that way. No, 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 no. We are always accountable for our sin. Always accountable for our sin. And when we hurt others and we act outside the character of God and the way we were created, that is sin. I mean, we were told that we would live in times where good is called evil and evil is called good. That is the time we live in. We live in that time like no other. So I want to... Go ahead and read you this article. Um, I've been told many times that that's not not good radio or whatever, but um, I just want to read it. Uh, I'm I'm assuming you're kind of going about your business and listening, so to stop and go read an article, um, it would be better for me to just read it, and you can just keep listening. But I want you to hear the public level of discourse in South Africa. I want you to hear... How crassly horrible things are just being thrown out into the public sphere. If this article had been published 10 years ago, for sure 20 years ago, people would have cried foul because it is so gross to even be discussed in public. But now in this weird twilight zone we're living in, not only is it acceptable to have these conversations in public, we are going to legislate this behavior as acceptable and remove the accountability from sinful action. So let's, let's get into this. Hang in there with me while I switch over my browser here. Okay. This website is called iol.co.za and um, it's it's an online um, article I have here and I'll, I'll post the link to the article and I am going to read this to you. Okay, the, the title is Gerard you would say in English like Gerhard uh, Ackerman and the title says NAB Pedophiles Accomplices Urges Nonprofit Body that's the title. Johannesburg. 
Child sex abuse ring kingpin Gerard Ackerman did not act alone. And nonprofit organization Sonke Gender Justice has urged police to bring accomplices to book. This week, the Gauteng High Court found Ackerman guilty of multiple charges linked to a sec- child sex ring that he masterminded. Ackerman targeted vulnerable teenage boys between the ages of 14 and 16, recruiting them through Facebook before trafficking them to his so-called massage parlor in Johannesburg. He was found guilty of more than 720 charges, including rape, human trafficking, sexual grooming of children, attempted murder, and the sexual exploitation of children. Sonke's co-executive director and chairperson of Global Men Engage Alliance, Bafana Kumalo, said he believed Ackerman did not act alone. We trust, quote, we trust that the criminal justice system will vigorously pursue those connected with this crime and ensure that justice is served, he said. But Ackerman insisted the boys were 16 years old, the legal age of consent in South Africa. So I guess I misspoke earlier. I said 14. I know they're pushing for 14, um, but I guess that hasn't been finalized yet. So now it's currently still 16, which is still ridiculous, by the way. Carrying on. And did not seem to think that the quote-unquote happy ending counted as a sexual act. While being cross-examined, Ackerman, Ackerman, told the court his number one policy at massage parlors was that no sexual intercourse took place and only, quote, happy endings were allowed, unquote. However, the court was played voice notes where Ackerman gave his clients explicit sexual details of what they could do when booking the boys, including sexual intercourse. Ackerman added that any, quote, unquote, extras were at the discretion of the clients and the teenage masseurs. He maintained that as long as the messieurs were or were 16 years old, they could uh, just hate reading this stuff. I'm going to read it to you, though, because you need to understand the discourse. The discourse in the public space is just so vile. They could masturbate the client because of the age of the consent and insisted the massages were consensual. Quote, a happy ending was part of the massage. Without it, the clients weren't interested, unquote, he said. Ackerman said a happy ending was less than sex. The age of consent was also listed as a reason when the accused admitted to having sex with a 16-year-old boy. He filmed the act, and the state found two videos of the intercourse on his phone, which it said was child pornography. The state also contended that the incident was rape. The boy came to visit me personally, said Ackerman. He was a virgin and so beautiful to me that I asked if I could record it, and he said yes. He was a legal age. It's perfectly legal, he said. I just want you to hear how they're, they're trying to... that this, this gross, disturbed man is seriously trying to use the legal system to defend his sinful, immoral actions. So when you change the legal system to give 
perpetrators the leg up, then they are then going to be able to use the legal system to justify their acts. And, and just a comment here, you know, um, the things that the Nazis did in World War II, specifically to the Jews and the Christians and everybody, you know those things were legal, right? They were legal because they changed the laws to make it legal before they did it. So they weren't acting outside the law, even though their <laughs> law did not reflect the moral code of God. So anyways, carrying on. The trial ran for three months and gripped the nation. Prosecutor advocate Valencia Dube led the evidence of more than a dozen witnesses and presented hard evidence in the form of WhatsApp conversations from Ackerman, as well as forensic reports on the child pornography found on his cell phone and laptop. The defense's case only contained Ackerman's testimony. After the state closed its case, Ackerman brought a Section 174 discharge application where he was acquitted of two rape charges relating to him allegedly performing oral sex on two different complainants, two boys, age 15 and 16. Now, I want, I want you to, to, to see what just happened here. He was acquitted of those rape charges. Acquitted for conducting sexual acts on 15 and 16-year-old children. The teenagers did not give evidence about the specific incidents. However, they both gave evidence on two other charges of rape where it is alleged Ackerman had penetrative sex with each of them on separate occasions. I, I can't even believe this is even being talked about. I mean, man. This is the, this is the level of depravity our society has reached. In 2007, Ackerman was accused of exposing himself to an... Okay, now this is where the trail of, hey, he's already been doing this a long time, begins. And nobody bothered to do anything about it. In 2007, Ackerman was accused of exposing himself to a nine-year-old boy and his seven-year-old cousin in the bathrooms of a camping site in Hartembos, which is down by the coast. or it's at the coast. Two years later, he allegedly exposed himself to the cousins again at the same holiday spot. So that's in 2009. So he's, he's already a repeat offender. Okay. Then in July 2018, Ackerman allegedly exposed himself to an 11-year-old boy and masturbated while recording the incident at a swimming school in Sunning Hill. Now, 2017... Oh, sorry, 2007, 2009, 2018, and how much in between, we're not even told. After being confronted by employees at the swimming pool, sorry, the swimming school, Ackerman allegedly fled in a vehicle, damaging the boom gate at the entrance. While not linked to this trial during the same period, Ackerman also allegedly forced an 11-year-old boy to touch his genitals in a public bathroom at an upmarket country club in Johannesburg. Now, mind you, and what you're going to hear later on this month, there are people who will say that none of this is Ackerman's fault. He's just born this way. It's just who he is. He's just attracted to young people. Okay, that's the, that's the movement that's underway across the globe. Okay. The matter has been postponed to July 18th for psychology reports to be presented in court. Kumalo said Sonke, the nonprofit organization, looked forward to the finalization of this matter with the envisaged sentencing in July so that the victims and their families could have closure. 
So now I feel like I need to go wash my mouth out with soap, and I'm sorry you had to hear that. But that's reality. That's, that's what's happening. That, that is the level of discourse. Now, as you might say to yourself, wait, 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 uh, Landon, you said that there's a movement to make all this just acceptable and whatever, and, I, and my response is, yes, it is. And what you hear in this article is that the existing legislative framework, the existing authorities are still prosecuting this in South Africa and trying to stop it. And that there are forces underway across the world which are trying to undo this. Now think about this. The conversation I just read to you in the South African courts revolved around a legal framework that has dropped the age of consent in South Africa from 18 to 16. Keep in mind, there was no conversation about 17 and 18-year-olds. They wouldn't even feature. So there's a thing called the Overton window, which it starts to shift your view of what falls within the acceptable space of conversation. The Overton window has been shifted in South Africa that people aren't even talking about the 17 and 18-year-olds that are being abused. Even though you're still in the orphanage system till you're 18, and yet it doesn't even count when it comes to legally prosecuting abusers. That means that a 17-year-old girl can be thrown on the streets and prostituted, and it's her own choice. It's her own choice. 17 years old. It's her choice. Now, keep in mind, there's a, there are a lot of folks, and we're going to get into the connection to the, um, the different movements that are underway. But there is, a, there is a concerted effort right now in South Africa to drop the age to 14. Where does it stop? And when the age gets dropped to 14 in South Africa, do we stop caring about 16-year-olds and 15-year-olds? Because the Overton window has shifted so much now that we've actually even lost track at that point of 17 and 18-year-olds. Very, very simply, I heard someone the other day refer to the fact that if you're old enough to vote or to die in war, then maybe you're old enough to make your own decisions about your sexual life, okay? But if you're younger than that, you're in no position to make those decisions. None. So, okay, I could flog this horse until it's be, you know... (laughs) just a skin um, left, but I'm not going to. I, I think you get the point of where we're at on this. Um, pedophilia is, an, is a massive, massive evil. And um, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to hit it in, from a couple different angles. It is one of the core underlying factors that drives the human trafficking of children. Because what happens is the pedophiles get to pay for whatever they want. And believe you me, the crime syndicates will give them whatever they want. Folks, I have to, I have to tell you, we've had a nine-month-old baby in our safe house. Um, that's so not okay. And, and, um, but to, to be quite frank, it's so not okay at the exact same level as Christ points out as that you know, 17-year-old. 
because every soul matters. And that's the fight that we're in. We will fight for every soul um, to the bitter end. And I, I ask you to, to join us in, in prayer and um, to petition the Lord uh, for those in your environment and to really open your eyes to what's going on in the world around you. This is happening all around us, everywhere. Pedophilia and the abuse of children is everywhere. And uh, someone's got to stand in the gap, and that's the role of the Church of Jesus Christ. And uh, we are going to do that. And I ask you to join us in that fight. Okay, this is Landon uh, wrapping up a somewhat intense and um, pointed podcast, um, but an important one. And I, I look forward uh, to getting through these next few weeks of... Um, of podcasts because I hope you'll then have a, a framework and a foundation for understanding the trauma and abuse that informs a lot of the decision-making around us. And um, let, let's just say as we head into the month of June, you'll have a new understanding of what's going on in the world. All right. This is Landon, and I'm out. Cheers. Cheers.